From Tim Raines, who knows a thing or two about this, Rowdy Tellez might be the best base runner in the system. these teams that cry poverty and they have like billionaires as their owners it's like why aren't you spending any money <laughs> what is wrong with these guys what was that noise <laughs> it was nah no oh. no you're are you disgusted and welcome to artificial turf wars episode number 46 where we're podcasting from a hot shower to simulate Grapefruit League conditions. <laughs> uh, so we have um, we have the spring. The spring has begun. So we're going to talk about uh, all things Grapefruit League. We've got uh, some word on Bo- Joe Biagini not necessarily being a starty. Starty. <laughs> we got start. Josh Donaldson actually holding a bat in his hands. Uh, we have a spring home run from a new acquisition, some kind words about, uh, Rowdy Tellez. We have, uh, Josh's reflections on Matt Latos, Latos, and Marcus Stroman. We have an interview with, uh, Stacey Gutsulius from BP Bronx about the Yankees and what they might be doing this season. We have a whole bunch of questions from you, and I think, uh, we might have even have a do-over to fit in there. We'll see how it goes. Um, so... Before we get started, Artificial Turf Wars now has a Patreon. So, thanks again for listening and joining us on the podcast. If you'd like to give us a vote of confidence and make a small investment in making the podcast bigger and better, you can head over to patreon.com now and search for TurfPod. And that's where you can find out about all the new things we have planned with the help of our loyal listeners. We do appreciate it. Uh, And now, as we move into the podcast proper... I would like to start with the spring standings because these, uh, I found these on CBS. Did you know they not only have it broken down by American League and National League standings, but they also have Cactus League versus Grapefruit League? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Like, in case you were worried that maybe your team was on top of the Cactus League, but or maybe second or third in the Cactus League, but how was it doing in the National League? You could check that. So stupid. The Jays, and I'm not saying that because the Jays are one and four. This is not what I'm saying. Um, I'm just saying that these games don't, these are games are played by nobodies after about the fifth or sixth inning. Uh, so the Yankees nobodies are some of the best in the business. They are five and one and lead the Grapefruit League. The Angels hey, lead, yes. Those Yankees nobodies, according to the box score, <laughs> Gary Sanchez managed to go seven for seven with six home runs and drive in 12 runs when the Yankees only scored nine. So, you know, <laughs> that's not a nobody. <laughs> is that the real box score? Is that how deeply they care about? Have you ever tried to watch the pitch? Have you ever tried to watch the pitch count on, on a spring training game? If you're watching on at bat. Well, that's because it's just a broken system. They just, every pitch is the <laughs> strike. minimum strike strike. Uh, all strikeouts are three pitch, all walks yeah. are four pitch, and all hits are on the first pitch. Amazing. Um, yeah, so we're, we're having fun. We're, the, the Jays have got some players on the field. They've, they've gotten warmed up, you know. Um, speaking of warmed up, of course, Joe Biagini, we were talking about how – were we not talking about how the Jays pretty much had to give him a crack as a starter because it just made so darn much sense? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess we were saying that last time. Apparently, Oops. it doesn't make as much sense as we thought it did. 
Uh, the quote from John Gibbons, uh, I believe Hazel May asked the question about stretching out be a genie, and his quote was, we're not going to get carried away and stretch him out too far unless an injury occurs to one of the five guys, meaning his starters, of course, and then we might look at him being that guy. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. So basically he said, barring injury, Joe Biagini's not going to be any more than like a two or three inning reliever. <laughs> the funny thing about that comment, it's like we're not going to get him stretched out too far unless an injury occurs. But don't you want to have him stretched out pretty far in case an injury occurs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't, like, okay, so he's not stretched out and the injury occurs. Now what? Like, who takes oh, that crap. next start? Brett Oberholzel? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah that was weird like I, I don't know it, I, this does seem to happen not just the Blue Jays either every spring where there's some some idea about changing something for someone and then an actual you know coach or a manager comes along and goes no no we can't change anything it's got to stay the way it was because it was good the way it was like, okay it should be mentioned that about this time last year john gibbons was talking about you know, how good aaron sanchez was in the pen for us last year <laughs> uh yeah um so we, i think basically we're just saying decisions are not final at this point right I, no i mean yeah. yes we are but no they're not uh josh donaldson took a bat and he took it to a batting cage and he swung it at actual moving baseballs um which is cool does that mean he's ahead of schedule on schedule behind schedule was there speculation about this i think it's basically that he's on schedule i mean the original diagnosis had him out two to three weeks if he's just taking batting practice today it's still probably gonna be another week or so before he can even think about getting into a game but you know considering it is his landing leg it's nice that I mean, I guess it wouldn't matter which one. Your both legs are pretty important when you're hitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, besides he's able to get in there and get some swings, and it means he's on the man. It's not one of those. It's like where is he? We haven't seen him in two weeks. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's still on schedule, sure. Yeah, yeah. You do wonder when there's there's no evidence of a player after a while, or you know, he's always always somehow ends up in that B game, even if the B game's three hours on the road. You know, it's like, well, why is he not? You know, where where people are you know can watch him on camera or something so yeah uh, yeah yeah sorry flashbacks to previous years almost to that uh it's not a lie if we know the truth <laughs> i was hoping it would come up again <laughs> we should find a way to get that on every podcast because i've said it before it is the greatest quote in the history of sports it's it's uh donald trump would use that quote if he knew about it let me put it that way it's right up his alley. <laughs> but he doesn't know the truth, so it doesn't work. Oh, dear. Um, we saw what Kendris Morales can do. He can murder baseballs. <laughs> so this is pretty funny. In the home opener of spring training, Morales, batting him near the, you know, in the middle of the lineup, his first at bat, he hits a squibber <laughs> off the bat and he hits the third base bag. It goes about as slow as you can and actually still reach the base. And it's like, oh, I really got a hold of that one. Got a single. <laughs> and then his next at bat, he hit one. I swear, this thing must have gone 200 feet high. I mean, it was just crushed. And it went out. I mean, okay, 200 feet. I have no idea if it actually was that high. But you don't really see balls hit as high as he hit that one that leave the park. Right. So it, it, it was uh, an atypical home run angle, but it didn't matter. Because he just. This is where we should be like queuing up the major league. Too high. Too high. Look at it's gone. 
Oh, man. You, you want me to do all of this audio work all the time. I just like making things hard for you, Greg. Well, it's okay. I, yeah. Hey, go find a clip afterwards. No, I'm not going to find <laughs> Um And then the other, uh, the other guy who made a contribution was uh, Rowdy Tellez in the, the sort of back-to-back prospect action we had in. Was it in the first inning? Of, of, was it the second game? Where Alfred and Tellis, one drove the oh, other yeah. one in. Yeah, I I don't remember what inning actually was, but yeah, they went double double. I think it was right like right off the top. So, I mean, does it mean anything in in the sense of he got a hit? No, that doesn't mean anything. Did the fact that John Gibbons noticed him mean something? Um, I think that does sort of mean something. Yeah, I mean, he also the in the game. Uh, I guess it was two days ago. I can't remember which one. You know, he took a 97 mile an hour fastball and lined it the other way for a double. So, and Gibbons has noticed. He said, "Quote: Tellez was really good. He's probably the closest guy knocking on the big league door. You just watch him move around. His defense has definitely gotten better when I watch him out there. But he can hit. There's something different about him." And then, in the not quite expected department about Rowdy Tellez, from Tim Raines, who knows a thing or two about this. Rowdy Tellez might be the best base runner in the system. <laughs> he is, uh, for those of you not familiar, I believe he is a first baseman. And he's not a small guy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of tallish. <laughs> kind of. And biggish. Kind of wideish. <laughs> but um, a good base runner is not necessarily a base stealer. I actually saw him steal a base, though, which is kind of fun. <laughs> Got a nice hand from the crowd. Gets better. Yeah. I mean, just if he's getting good reads and knows when to go, I mean, if he's got that, that that's pretty useful. I mean, Edward Encarnacion was a great base runner. He just wasn't fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as opposed to, say, Jose Bautista, who is uh, an idiot savant sort of base runner, where he takes <laughs> takes these ridiculous risks, which are clearly the wrong decision. Uh, I think in some cases the defense is so astonished by that, that's what throws them off and means he, he escapes <laughs> more than the percentage of jams which he should escape yeah he has some special ones <laughs> or you can be Ezekiel Carrera and be the fastest guy ever and just not know how to do anything on the base pass yeah it's like it's it's more than just running straight forward apparently and nobody's really gone into the, the subtleties of that with, with Zeke um, I'm looking forward to the season when Zeke gets fewer stolen bases in a season than Rowdy Tellez it could be this year you mm-hmm. literally don't know. Uh, well, anyway, being noticed by your manager as uh, having more skills than he expected and being talked about about knocking on the door is super good for the player. Uh, I, it could be good for the organization. I mean, we've obviously got kind of a weird thing going on at first base right now with a bunch mm-hmm. of... Yeah, we actually have some questions about that, so we can get into that a bit more later. But Fair enough. You're right. It's, de- it's definitely good when... The higher ups think you're special. Indeed. Um, so, I, of course, at this point in the spring, we're this is all about getting looks. I guess is what it comes right down to. Um, so, the new acquisition we talked about last week was was the last minute uh, Matt Latos. Does he look any good? Well, he. So he wasn't throwing all that hard. He's 90, 91. I think he hit 92 two or three times. And he gave up a three-run bomb. I think it was three-run bomb. I actually can't remember how. But it was he gave up a bomb. 
But uh, you know, his his off speed stuff, his splitter looked really good, and he was throwing strikes. And Gibbons was thought he looked pretty good too. And you know, if, if this early in the spring for a starting pitcher, you know, if he can get that even up another one or two miles an hour, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I obviously you kind of know what you've got. In, in Latos to an extent like you're not going to be surprised by him that's why you signed him is because you don't there's a there's sort of a floor for him there that if he's if he goes below the floor see you later um but if something plays up hey we're all for that playing up yeah uh, do we think that that do you think at this point he's more likely to end up as a starter in buffalo or are they going to try and cram him into a somewhat crowded bullpen I think most of that is going to depend on what his opt-out situation is. We don't, we don't know. It hasn't been made public. But if he has an end-of-spring opt-out, if he's not in the big league club and he has a good spring, then the only way they're going to keep him is if they send him into the bullpen. Right. But so. if they can keep him, there's no reason not to keep him in, in the minors because this team doesn't have any starting depth. Mm-hmm. Other than Joe Biagini, who apparently is no longer starting depth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, the other guy who you saw in person was uh, our our boy Marcus Stroman. Uh, how how are his height and his heart looking? Well, they don't measure each other very well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he looked awesome, like really good. He was throwing like ninety four miles an hour in his first start of spring training. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot of breaking balls. I think struck out three. I mean, you know, again. It's, spring training and but he wasn't you know it was like starling Marte and gregory polanco were in the lineup john jason I mean, they were real guys and you know the pitchers are ahead of the hitters but his stuff was sharp and his command was good i mean it's, it's better than the opposite right yeah well yeah and we, we've seen a lot of that you know in, in previous spring trainings where, where a guy comes out and he just can't seem to to you know either find the plate or find his velocity or he's all over the place in his delivery so even if it just shows that he's, you know, he kept his focus and he's been working hard over, over the the winter on on that, and cool, that's what you want to hear. Yeah, and given the way he ended last season, if he can pitch a whole season the way he pitched the last three months of last year, he's going to be really, really good. Absolutely, I, you know, Marcus Stroman probably has the, you know, the most upside still I, I know we use that word all the time but we kind of have a pretty good idea of what Jay Happ and Marco Estrada are capable of which is very good things don't get me wrong but we don't expect them to take another great leap forward last year Aaron Sanchez led the league in ERA I don't know that you can expect can a do lot much more better than yet. the best it's kind of that's where you want to be at so you know the guy you're looking for that big jump from is 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 Stroman, who you know was. I, I think he's largely still figuring out how to use the rather large number of pitches at his disposal effectively. And like you said, near, near the end of last season, he seemed to to click into some things he could do to mm-hmm. get people out more consistently. Do we have any other? You know, yeah, just one other guy I'd like to talk about who I saw. So Connor Green pitched an inning plus. I don't know if he actually got an out in the next inning. Gave up five runs. Sounds good so far. He was hitting 99 repeatedly and 100 a couple times. I mean, he got rocked. He's young. He's not ready. But you can see, I think I tweeted this, like you can see why the organization's high on a guy like that. I mean, he's throwing 99-100 in February. 
well, you know, he's not loose, so you can't expect. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> what a schmuck. <laughs> no. Can't even throw 101. Jeez. Uh, he was actually in... technically, according to this, to the radar gun, he threw 99 and zero. Yet another spring training quirk, which uh, really it says a lot about the facilities available down in, in Florida. <laughs> um, was he in Lansing last year? New Hampshire. He was in New Hampshire last year, so you yeah. know he's he, he's close. But obviously, yeah, getting getting rocked, and uh, I'm, I'm sure some secondary stuff is going to need to come around before he can launch himself into the big leagues. But it is a rare find to find a guy who can throw 100 miles an hour at any time, right? Yeah, and at least you know with an arm like that, even if he never does become the potential number two, th- three starter that they think he can, he could at least have a career as a good reliever. Fallback plans. <laughs> All right. So that's sort of our first round of uh, going around Florida Auto Exchange Stadium, thinking about people. So hopefully we'll have some some good news because we didn't have any attrition news this week, did we? No. Let's cross our fingers and we're going to go with that <laughs> for another week. Um, we invited um, Stacy Gatsoulias on from BP Bronx to talk about some of the competition that's out there in the American League East as we do at this time of year. So uh, we're going to come back with some Yankees talk in her right after this. And we are pleased to be joined tonight for the first time by Stacy Gatsoulias from bp bronx welcome to artificial turf Force, stacy thank you for having me um it is it is the time of year when we start to invite the enemies on the podcast because it's, <laughs> it's only fair that they get to you know uh express uh all of the great things about their team uh, and why they're going to destroy the blue jays and then, then when, when the interview's over we laugh about that a little bit and we move on but um <laughs> Uh, why don't we start actually going back 2016? Um, there was a, a veteran team sort of for, for the Yankees, and then they kind of threw all that out, and there was some retirement, and then all of a sudden all of these prospects come up. So how, how did that kind of shake down for them at the end of last season? It was uh, it was kind of amazing to see you know, what Brian Cashman can do at the trade deadline when ownership doesn't have him handcuffed. So we saw him able to make a lot of interesting moves, um, you know, getting a bunch of prospects back for Beltron, Chapman, and Andrew Miller, and allowing these kids to, you know, some of the kids who were already in the system to come up and play for the last two months. And it was a lot of fun, uh, especially because they started doing so not that they did really well but they weren't mathematically eliminated until September 29th which no one would have expected and it was just fun to watch some of these guys seemingly come out of nowhere and just do really well and you know especially you know you had A-Rod have his send off on a Friday night in the Bronx and then the next day Aaron Judge and Tyler Austin come up and they hit in their first at bats home runs back to back and it was just like whoa you know <laughs> like wait a minute maybe this would be a good thing <laughs> and it was just a lot of fun to watch that as fans, unfold you know as fans everywhere else around the league started crying <laughs> <laughs> it was just to, to see what 
Sanchez was doing alone was insane. Um, the night of my birthday, which was August 26th, um, I was at a restaurant bar and there were, there was a group that you could tell meets every Friday night to get drunk, you know, after a long work week. And anytime Sanchez came up to that, they just shut up <laughs> and, and, and stared at the TV like, wow. And he was like four for four that night with, I think, I think at least one home run. And it was, it was just amazing to see that happen to, for them to watch this kid, like to be just completely speechless and be like, wow, check this out. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, even, even as a Blue Jays fan, seeing what Sanchez was doing was pretty cool just because I'd never really seen that. I mean, he went off. Yeah. Yeah. But, and um, I mean, I kind of feel bad because, you know, it's not like he's going to hit 60 home runs this season. Um, I mean, I could see somewhere between 25 and 30 if something bad doesn't happen to him, like if he doesn't get injured or anything like that. Um, I, I think he'll be a solid player for the Yankees. Yeah. Now, because of, you know, Aaron Judge, although he struggled a little bit at the end, but you know, mm -hmm. Gary Sanchez's success and the way the team, like you said, did not get eliminated until rather late with an including embarrassing sweep of the Blue Jays in September. <laughs> we won't talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you think that affected their way that this offseason went? Everyone expected, I'm not sure what they expected, but instead they ended up signing Matt Holliday. They get Chris Carter for an incredibly cheap deal. They bring back yeah. Chapman. It's I and mean, Brett Gardner's still there. It seems like they're still going for it as opposed to continuing any sort of rebuild. I think, I don't know. I think it's kind of a disguised rebuild. Like they're kind of saying, oh yeah, we're going to go for it. But I mean, if they were really going to go for it, I think they would have done more than what they did. I mean, the moves they made were, like you said, I mean, they got Chris Carter basically for nothing. I mean, no one wanted him and he almost went to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, it, it, it kind of makes me laugh because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're still going to go for it. Blah, blah. You know, the 2017 Yankees are not going to do much of – they're not going to be horrible, but they're not going to contend in any way unless something catastrophic happens to the Blue Jays, the Orioles, and the Red Sox ahead of them, <laughs> and even the Rays. I mean, I just – I can't see that sort of thing. They're just – I think this is kind of like a um, like a bridge to 2018 – I think that's when they're going to, you know, when CC comes off the books, A-Rod actually comes off the books and they have a lot of money freed up, you'll see them do something bigger. So is this uh, partially a timing question, but also partially a luxury tax question? Do you think that's a, that's a conscious part of this decision making? Because I've seen it in, a, in, a, in an article, you know, in this off season. I think so. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that whole luxury tax thing because <laughs> they're still kind of dingy about that like for years they didn't care now they're like oh well, we gotta start saving money whatever you're the yankees just go out and spend money <laughs> uh we've been saying that about our ownership for years yeah like you know like I, I love these teams that cry poverty and they have like billionaires as their owners it's like why aren't you spending any money <laughs> what is wrong with these guys <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a question too big for this podcast. You may have just asked one. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> we tackle all the big uh, questions. Uh. Yeah, that, that's that, that's what we do. <laughs> all right. Well, so moving forward to this year, um, 
it, it's like you had a bunch of a few career years. I mean, Didi Gregorius sort of broke out. I mean, obviously we mentioned Gary Sanchez putting up a 60 home run pace. <laughs> Do you think that the expectations of Yankees fans, obviously not yourself, I mean, you made it clear that you thought that they were not a very good team. Do you think that people are expecting this offense to be a juggernaut all of a sudden? I don't think so. I mean, I would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope not. Um, I mean, you do have that faction of Yankee fans who are just delusional and think, you know, every year they're going to contend even when there's, I mean, you know, we have five guys fighting for the last two spots in the rotation. And even, you know, like CC. If he continues how he pitched last year, I mean, he rebounded a bit last year from previous years, and he did okay. Um, Pineda is one of those guys who's an enigma. You don't know what you're going to get from him because he could be really good or really bad within two pitches of an at-bat. Um, <laughs> Tanaka's arm, you know, from what people think, is hanging on by a thread. So who knows? You know what I mean? So I don't understand how Yankee fans could even think oh, yeah, we're going to contend, you know, or, you know, oh, we're going to be great. We're going to do this. I mean, like I said, I don't see them doing as bad as Pakoda thinks they're going to do because they're always predicting that the Yankees are going to be 500, and they always somehow eke out more games where they're more like 84, 85, 86. You know, like, it's funny when the Yankees are bad, they're never actually bad, you know? Yeah. Like, in what year was it 2012 how um awful the red sox were and then they came back and won the next year and then they went back to not being so great like the yankees don't do that like they kind of hover around where you think ooh, maybe they might make the wild card but then they don't and you know like i said i think they're just expecting um to kind of be in it a little bit this year but not too much and then everything will happen next year and i think most fans know that i mean i would hope so well, I think, you know, turning to the other side, most people, you know, outside of the Yankees see them as the evil empire. And I think that that failure to ever be bad is part of that reason, because, <laughs> you know, it's always it's always something happens and it's like, oh, the Yankees are in it again or the Yankees are good enough to be a real problem when you face them in September. Um, right. You know, they, <clears throat> well, I I didn't mention it, but <laughs> Josh appears to have mentioned it again. Uh, but the other part of being the evil empire is having some, you know, some real awful personalities associated with the team. And I thought that they got some really nice players like like uh, Didi Gregorius and, and mm -hmm. Starlin Castro. Uh, you know, a lot of these people are hard to hate on. So then we got to this point in the offseason and the Yankees proved that they are still run by seemingly evil people when they yeah. threw Dallin Batances under the bus. What was your reaction yeah. when Randy Levine came out and did that? All right. I, uh, Randy Levine, I just, oh my God. He annoys me so much. And like, just the sight of his face makes me angry because <laughs> he's just, he's such a putz. Like, he just really is. And, you know, I mean, he's been with the team since like 99 or 2000. And, you know, for a while there, you didn't even know he existed because he didn't talk. And then, like, once Steinbrenner Sr. passed away, the big guy, um, all of a sudden, Randy Levine is like a big mouth and just, I wish he would shut up. Like, I wish he would just stay in the front office, do his job, and not come out and say stupid things. <laughs> and, ugh, I, I just was so angry. Like, I mean, I get it. Arbitration isn't a fun thing. And, you know, you basically 
are trying to trash the players. So the arbitrator's like, yeah, they don't really deserve $5 million. Okay, you get $3 million. But to come out afterwards and say what he said about Patances, a kid who grew up in New York, who was a Yankee fan growing up, and who's playing for the team that he's loved since a kid, and you're, since he was a kid, and you're going to come out and do that? Like, what was the point? Well, that's kind of what well, I was, that was the most. Yeah, that was the most baffling thing about it. It was just, it just seemed vindictive. <laughs> Straight up. For, even though you, <laughs> but you won. I mean, it doesn't make sense to be vindictive about that. Right. And, I mean, obviously, so I mean, the rational sect of the fan base, I'm sure, agrees exactly what you said. But was there anybody who thought what Levine did there made sense? Uh, not that I know of. I mean, it was just so mean like it was just mean-spirited that he did that to Batances. and I know some people were like um you know because Batances had said stuff after he heard what Levine had said about him like what is he going to just sit there and not say anything mm-hmm. you know like you want the kid to stick up for himself I can call him a kid because I'm advanced aged um we're not I young just- he, oh God, I just really can't stand him. And I can't stand, and it's, it's actually pretty funny too because Levine came out with those comments exactly a year after Lon Trost said really stupid things about ticket holders. Um, when the whole uh, thing about ticket prices came out and he was talking about how rich people didn't want to sit next to non-rich people in the yep. fancy sections of the stadium. And I'm like, what is this date? Yankee executives you know, being asses day. Like who's going to say something next year? It's like ridiculous. <laughs> we have a, a segment on our podcast actually called a do over and both Randy Levine and Lon Trost have been guests <laughs> on that segment. Yeah, they, don't, just... they don't know it yet. But <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I mean, uh, you know, I've been a Yankee fan since I could walk and, you know, um, it's just getting harder and harder for me to like, like, I mean, I like the players, but the front office and the ownership, just they do so many things. And especially the last couple of years, it's just, <sighs> I just wish we can get rid of them, but not replace them with anyone worse than that, you know? <laughs> like, I'd be kind of afraid to see who would buy the Yankees and what they would do to them. But at the same time, it's just some of the stuff that they're doing, like the whole Aroldis Chapman thing. I mean, <sighs> I could go on. That yeah. I can go on a tangent on that for hours, but it just so many things that they've done in the last two seasons have rubbed me the wrong way, and it's just making it hard for me to want to root for them. Well, so now the question is to me: What are you going to root for? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I'll root for the kids to do well. You know, um, you know, I want to see Greg Bird come back. You know, he had two home runs today, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, one was like a, a dinker that just went over the fake pesky pole in in um, Fort Myers, and then he hit another one over the fake green monster <laughs> in Fort Myers. From what I heard, because neither uh, it was split squad today and neither game was televised, so I was keeping track on Twitter. Um, you know, and just to see the kids do well, um, it'd just be fun to watch that again. Like, I would I would almost prefer like a whole season of what we saw in August and September of last year. That would be fun. And so on that note, aside from the fun aspect of it, mm-hmm. of all the guys on this team, who is the one that you most think is going to be a positive surprise? Hmm. 
positive surprise. Let's see. Can I say who I'd want to be a positive surprise? Sure, go for it. <laughs> I would like for Jacoby Ellsbury to be a positive surprise because that contract is an albatross and it's just getting worse and worse. And I would like for him to have a positive season this year just to quiet that down at least for a season and then you know he can go back to falling off a cliff. Um, I would like to see Pineda kind of put things together. Uh, you know... And I could see, um, I could see maybe Gardner having a little bit of a bounce back from last year. Not that he was bad; it was just not up to his kind of performance. Um, you know, because everyone else is, you know, Didi was great, like you said. I mean, you know, he hit what he hit nine home runs the year before, and he hit twenty last year. Mm. It was. Uh, he really broke out in a big way and he's a I like him a lot. I mean, I liked him the first year he played when he, you know, replaced Derek Jeter. Um, you know, I like he, well, he plays defense better than Jeter ever did. Um, <laughs> the hard truths coming out from the Yankees rep here tonight. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm one of those realistic Yankee fans, you know? Um, but on the other hand, I feel like I can say that out of, that about Jeter, but if anyone else who roots for another team says something bad about him, I'll stick up for him. <laughs> um, uh, and who, I don't know, I think... Uh, well, that's a lot of guys. Yeah, and, oh, Headley. He, he had a really, oh my God, his April was just... <sighs> his April pretty much made his season seem like it was really terrible, but he did improve after April. It was just, he was so bad in April. So I kind of hope that he gets off to a better start this season than he did last year because that was just brutal he was batting like 160 something for a while and oh I, no I did extra a, base a, hits etc etc yeah yeah I did a piece on beyond the box score and I think his OPS plus at one point was like 25 Oof, it was just really it's like Russell Martin <laughs> yes it's really bad <laughs> proof that time yeah. waits for no man <laughs> yeah I know really uh, speaking of time, we are actually getting to the end of ours. So we uh, we will ask you to engage your either your scientific abilities or your gut, depending on how you do these things, and to give us mm -hmm. a prediction, an expert prediction, on the Yankees' final record and their position in the division this year. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to say 84-78. And that was probably... the record in 2016, was it not? I think so. And 2014, which I predicted on ESPN and I was right. And I remember when I made the prediction in April, I had people leaving me nasty comments. Only 84 <laughs> wins. I'm like, yeah. And then they finished with that exact record. So never forget. I, yeah. I kind of like that. Um, I think they will finish. Hmm. I'll say fourth. Fourth. Wow. Yeah, All right. I'll, I'll, All say, right. I'll say fourth. <laughs> As we like and to say around. Right, you know, uh, who knows? Yeah. We'll come back. We'll play this if you're right. Especially since the <laughs> Yankees will have finished fourth, which will be just fine with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming from BP Bronx and joining us. Uh, we can find you, Stacey, uh, on Twitter, of course, um, at Stace Gotts, if I'm right. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, all, all the best of luck to the Yankees, except for that part where they can't win more games than the Blue Jays. 
Well, best of luck to the Blue Jays. Uh, same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks for stopping by tonight. Thank you for having me. Talk to you soon. Well, that was most excellent, uh, and 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 by that I mean that there was there was hardly any trashing of the Blue Jays that went on, and a ton of trashing of the Yankees. So that, <laughs> and it wasn't even from us. No, well, I mean we we I, we chimed in. Okay, I don't, I don't uh, f- okay, not completely from us. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> oh, that was good. That's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, we might have to have her back on, like you said, when the Yankees are in last. Um, <laughs> shall we move on? Let's do it. All right, we're going to go and uh, we're going to get some questions like this. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Then how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Lots of questions this podcast. People are really getting warmed up. This is like two weeks in a row we've had this huge list. Yeah. I don't know. It's like people are liking baseball again or something (laughs) um what was that noise (laughs) that was nah no no No? you're are you disgusted (laughs) let's just move on (laughs) (laughs) so the first question is uh from egg egg i don't know if egg egg has last asked a question before at egg egh 8008 um which is from uh, uh last week almost but Maybe I missed it, but did no players or broadcasters wish Barry Davis a fond farewell? Ouch. I don't think Egg Egg missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, to be fair, Barry, unbeknownst to me, announced that he was leaving some time ago, correct? Mm -hmm. So it would be... I mean, if you want to take this as positively as possible as if you were, say, Mr. Davis's mother... Um, you would assume that it would be kind of awkward to throw back to like three or four months ago just to say goodbye to someone who'd already been gone for a while, right? It wasn't that long ago. But I think what, what Egg Egg is saying here is that like even at the time of the announcement, nobody said anything. <laughs> yeah, and I think we probably should leave it at that, right? <laughs> yeah, I think they sort of stand. The question stands for itself. <laughs> uh, Serge Ibaka. Wow. It's, hey, oh, wait, new rapper's no. asking us some questions. No, at Josh underscore uh, treats. Uh, no, that's just Serge Ibaka's pseudonym. It's really his, the player. Trust me. His handle. If <laughs> if every club stays healthy, how does the division end up? So on, so the caveat here, the stays healthy, I think this makes the Jays a better team because it's like, oh, hey, we're getting 600 plate appearances from Devin Travis and Steve Pierce. <laughs> yeah. Uh if every team stays healthy, I think it's Boston and the Jays fighting one, two, and then oh, probably Tampa because they're just always hurt. Tampa, Baltimore, and the Yankees are just in a fight, like tied all in the like 82, 83 wins area. I, I think if the that is something, though, the, I think the division is much tighter if nobody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as soon as injuries start to factor in, you, you can. You know, you start plugging people to, to fill in holes and stuff, and you you really don't know what you're going to get from from those replacements. Uh, and the tendency is to get nothing for some teams. And if you're the Yankees, you get Yankee magic for whatever reason. For 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> for three weeks, someone hits on a 60 home run. Well, for what, three months, someone hits on a 60 home run pace. But anyway, um, yeah, I would think, but, I would think Boston still wins the division if everybody's healthy, though. I would. Yeah, maybe, maybe even probably. <laughs> they're younger players. It's just so they have more, more up left in them, given their health, right? True. Um. So we have Brian A at Big underscore B underscore SR. I think he's not much of an off season fan because we, as we get to real baseball the questions start to reappear from brian um That's true who will play more innings at second base this year a devin travis b darwin barney or c another bunch of scrubs um i have a dumb question about b did we sign him wow greg <laughs> that'll be informed yes he was uh, he was signed for 2.88 million avoiding arbitration See, this is why I ask you. You know these things. So who gets more innings? Travis. I uh, just straight more innings. Yes, I would say Travis. Given everything that's happened in the first two years, I would be hesitant to say Travis will get like two thirds of the innings. Yeah. I, I See, that, if this was a Travis or B, Darwin Barney and another bunch of scrubs, I might have taken B. Take the field. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Prove us wrong, The field Devin. is the one that's going to hurt Travis, so... Yeah. Uh, all right. Since I'm reading all the questions for some reason this week, I'm going to continue to do so. <laughs> C.N.E. Right. Seagull at C.N.E. Seagull. Who represents the Blue Jays in the All-Star game this year? I like this question. Ooh. Because... I'm going to go with... Yeah. Josh Donaldson. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be Jose Bautista in a bounce back. And Aaron Sanchez, just the three. Um, I think Josh Donaldson. I think um, Roberto Osuna. Mm. What a little grumble. <laughs> no, that was mm, yeah, interesting. Okay. And um, I think in a, in a strange twist of fate, uh, Russell Martin, and then I'm going to go way out on a limb. I'm going to say Troy Tulowitzki gets added, uh, not not obviously not voted in, but gets added late because of some other shortstop who was injured. That's all right. I like it. There we are. Um, Brendan Kuhn. Hello again, Brendan. BK, uh, rank the rotation in order of 2017 ERA. I'd like to say before you answer that, that this would have been a lot easier question to answer if he'd asked us to rank it in 2016 ERA. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you could get that flawlessly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with Sanchez, Stroman, Estrada, Hap. Liriano. Hmm. I'm gonna go. Um. Hmm. This is tough. I'm gonna mm-hmm. go Estrada. Sanchez. Stroman. Liriano and Hap. Now the fact that we were so different just shows how <laughs> strong this rotation is. It, it's a. 
it has proven itself to be a formidable rotation, which is like the first... It has been so long since I can remember not desperately hoping for a miracle from the fifth starter from the Blue Jays. Yeah. Uh, no, I can't even think of a time. When the, I guess entering 2013, maybe? That was, yeah, because it's Halliday Johnson... Halliday, not Halliday. I'm Dicky, Dicky Johnson. Um, who were the other Dickie three Johnson, at that point? Morrow, Burley, and Hap. Yeah, well, but at that point, Hap was like, "Who's this guy? What's he gonna do?" Yeah, he wasn't this Hap, that's for sure. But anyway, good rotation, indeed. Um, from CNE Seagull again, quickly. Given no restrictions or assumptions, what job do you want Roy Halliday to hold with the Blue Jays? Well, he's <laughs> special assistant be to for the, the Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> no, but there's no restrictions or assumptions. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, as, as, my that means he can work for the Blue Jays and the Phillies. So I want him to be the president of making the Blue Jays better than the Phillies. So, <laughs> I can make up titles. Um. I think roving pitching instructor would be really cool. Like, like Tim oh, Raines. Real thing. Okay. Well, um, we talked about this on the last podcast or a few podcasts ago. It's like, just go down and teach Connor green a curveball. Yeah. That's the actual job. The, the Roy holiday, yeah. go teach Connor <laughs> green a curveball. It's, it's on a little plaque on the door. It's his business card. Connor green curveball coach. <laughs> Con- Connor curveball coach. At the very so last. Get another Connor. He, he can teach him that too. Uh, final question. Unless the question nope, has come in. Too. Okay. The question has come in while we were questioning questions. Uh, at, oh, down at the other end of the list. Sorry. Second last question. Buff Tenderson at <laughs> Buff Tenderson. First base, raw rowdy or settle for smoke? Which sucks more? Oh, <laughs> that's a, that's a pessimistic view, isn't it? It is. Um, I guess you want me to answer this, huh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I I think that the answer is probably Tellez. It would be the worst option right now. I mean, he you know he's hasn't even played above Double A yet. So I think Smoke would probably still outperform him, but I don't. Know, I think both of them could be okay. Yeah, I mean, 2015 Justin Smoke says that there is something there in Justin Smoke. Unfortunately, 2016 Justin Smoke says it's all trending in the sort of the wrong direction. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, 2015 Justin Smoke is still not a good first baseman, but he's not a horrible one. But I think he could be somewhere in the middle of those two years, and I think that's probably more than Tellez could do right now. Yes, because Tellez is just uh, like you said here in the question, raw. Yeah. Alright, final question from Joel Wendell... Uh, at Wendell Joel, which non-Jays team or player are you most excited to watch this year? You can go first this time. I'm kind of like my answer is always Mike Trout. That's not very original, is it? But th- then there's the Giancarlo Stanton answer. Okay, if healthy, Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> if mm. he gets hurt like he usually does, Mike Trout. See. I'm not ever excited to watch Mike Trout. You're afraid. Well, 
<laughs> that could be the case. <laughs> yeah. No, for me, I'm really interested to see Ian Desmond as the first baseman. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I want to see Steven Strasburg have a healthy season because I love that crazy pitching stuff. As you know, I'm a little biased when it comes to positions. But uh, I don't know. I'm just waiting for him to have that monster season. And I don't know. I'm just I, For some reason, I think it's going to be this year. Hmm. We shall see. Shall, shall we not? So I think we, we're always wishing for good health, aren't we? Really? Yeah. Yeah. You don't even see the bad guys, quote unquote, get hurt because it's just it's no fun. It's just you just want them to be bad. Yeah. Or, well, not at, at the critical time you want them to fail. That's really <laughs> have all exactly. the success you want in garbage time, gentlemen. Go nuts. <laughs> but when it comes right down to it, do a Roofnet Odor and its name is not Roofnet. There's no F. <laughs> <laughs> you do that every time. I know I do. I, I told you I I screw up players' names. <laughs> um, it's my my unfortunate thing. All right, those are all the questions, right? I, I did That's find it. the last question. Awesome. And it comes time where we should do the do-over. Oops. I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... All right. Take us to social media. <laughs> <laughs> so we get most of our do-overs, isn't it? Yeah, so, pretty much. <laughs> uh, Emma Baxillary who writes for Baseball Prospectus and Deadspin and you know, a bunch of other places. That seems to be the case. She tweeted out, MLB has Instagrammed Tim Tebow more in the past 24 hours than they have Mike Trout in the past three weeks. MLB somehow saw this <laughs> and replied, did you see this yesterday? And put it in Instagram of Mike Trout that they'd posted before. <sighs> what is MLB doing? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. What are they doing? Like, are they name searching I mean, themselves? <laughs> yeah, they weren't tagged. It's like ease up, you know. <laughs> and, and so, I, I saw this when so Craig Goldstein posted it, and he's like, "MLB getting defensive, unnecessarily defensive." Like, yeah. Uh, and then, as he pointed out, it doesn't really address the original claim which is they do a whole lot of tim tebow stuff and they don't actually promote a real player because as much as we'd all like to pretend tebow's going to play baseball he's not no one is going to let him take a major league field so yeah. they're legitimately promoting a sideshow and not the real product, which is one of the greatest baseball players of all time who's in his prime. And I can actually say that with that's not hyperbole. <laughs> no, it's really not. <laughs> they, he is an outlier. <laughs> they don't seem to care. I don't. Yeah. Like, guys, just just leave it. Leave it alone. <laughs> that's the do over. <laughs> leave it alone. Somebody wants to be yeah, critical. That's of your much the answer. Yeah, you're Instagramming. Just let him be critical. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> should be like a gong I sound or something on the do-over. Uh, oh, we can add that to the drop. There you go. So that's how we should end that. A big gong. I think I tried that. Um, 
not not it's so tough to come up with a gong in the right key um <laughs> let's go to a final thought before this goes completely, completely off the rails sound editing <laughs> instead of anything else <laughs> oh you got a final thought yeah it's uh it's nice to see some of these other guys down spring training is fighting for these jobs tj house he, he actually looked pretty good as a potential second lefty in the pen. Guy who can maybe go an inning or two if you need that. He was throwing 92, 91. But he was, you know, getting a lot of swings and misses, getting st- throwing strikes. And Tim Meza pumping 94 from the left side. I think these are a couple of names we could be seeing a bit more as spring progresses for that second lefty spot, if there is one. Interesting. Would you like my final thought? Yes, please. You know, I'm, we, we mocked the new red uniforms at great length when we had an opportunity to do so a few weeks ago. Uh, I would just like to register a complaint about the spring uniforms. I pr- Probably several complaints. I'm not a fan of uniform changes for uniform's sake. This spring's uniforms... Is, is this the second year for the blue leaf hat? Yes. Okay. That needs to be changed. Because... There is literally no precedent for blue maple leaves anywhere. And from, what, 50 feet away, can you even tell there's a leaf on the hat? But that's not the real offense of these uniforms. Numbers, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's the freaking numbers. First of all, they're solid. And they appear to be the same width as the split letter numbers, which looks fat and silly and bad. And I think I caught it today that there's actually something written on the white. Is that right? Like it's not, it's not writing. It's like it's all these spring logos. So it's crap, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's keep the crap off of the uniform. Nobody ever, ever, twenty years later, went, "Wow, I am so glad they layered uh, tone on tone logos over top of this thing I'm wearing." Nobody ever did that. So let's set ourselves no. up for any kind of uniform that might endure. Um, and yeah, that's so bad. So I'm sure they'll change it again next year. So I'll either be slightly less complaining or slightly more complaining about that. Okay. Yeah. I, that's kind of a down note to end on. Um, we want to bring back something. We want to bring back Stump the Josh. So if... You have a trivia question. Um, you can DM me at Coolhead2010 because Josh doesn't have the password to that. and He's got the password to every other social media account we have over at BP Toronto. Um, <laughs> and and w- you can try and stump Josh. Um, and if that doesn't work, well, we'll discuss format changes going forward. But for now, stump the Josh is give, give Josh a Blue Jays related question or about a Blue Jays player. You think he can't answer, and I promise I won't give it to him ahead of time, and we'll see if he can come up with it off off the top of his head. He may surprise you if you've never heard the game before. Um, we also, as I remind you, have a Patreon at patreon.com slash turfpod. Please pop on over if you're uh, in a generous mood or you uh, see a little bit of value in what we do here. We would love your help to make this a better podcast. And on that note... I have been Greg Wisniewski at, as I said, Coolhead2010. You have been Josh Housem at Joshua Housem. 
Our guest was Stacy Gotsulius at Stace Gots, whom we thank for dropping by. And this was Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 46. And we will be back with you next week.